Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFT. NFTs are floating in popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way people interact. So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. This phenomenon is moving the digital You have now joined Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the Blockchain, and my co-host, Michael Keane. Today, we have a special guest. You guys know how much I love bringing on NFT OGs, and I'm honestly like so excited right now. Maddie, aka DCL Blogger, has been like a dream guest of mine for a long time, and I finally reached out to him, and he said yes right away, so I was pumped. Um, but yes, Maddie, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. No, pleasure to be here and chat NFTs. Um, yeah, awesome. Was that the Pokemon um, Gotta Catch Them All at the end of that the thing, by the yes, way? Yes. <laughs> I laughed at that. Nice. <laughs> love it. All. I love we're all nerds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, our um, It's Just Lowe's. We have to shout out It's Just Lowe's who made that for us. We yep. didn't nice. even say anything, no guidelines. He just made that and uh yeah it was super super awesome <laughs> yeah love it that's that's been our theme song for the whole year except for episode one episode mm-hmm. one we used like andy bought some like weird nft that you were allowed to use the the music for commercial <laughs> rights and like we use that beat but wait what those, i didn't even know that yeah. <laughs> yeah the first one it was uh it was a uh what was it called the the positive pandas our buddies Igly, like these guys on Clubhouse made this little project and they put a beat behind every image and you were allowed to use the beat for commercial use. So we like love that first and then, then Los hooked Positive up. pandas, eh? Positive pandas. Sounds Shout like out the to typical the avatar pandas. project. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Adjective animal, right? Yep. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this at all, but my sister actually interviewed uh, you on her podcast on chain studios podcast um she's my twin sister so i don't know if we sound alike but it was like a year ago like straight up like a year ago and i like watched it right before this just to like oh absolutely I remember like, of course yeah Steph. yeah 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 and she is uh, a master key holder so she holds like all three she has like key one key two key three and key four <laughs> i have just three and four Michael also nice. has all of them. I do, sir. I do. Key master. I love yeah, it. Man. Nice. Yeah, nice. You know. When did when did that first one drop? Because I think they dropped way early, like before I was even in NFTs or maybe right around. I got in February of 2021. When did the first one drop? That oh man, it was such a long time ago now. Uh yeah. I think a year and a month ago. So um I believe okay. April. Oh, it was oh it was in April. Okay. Yeah, that was like right before I got into ETH. I started like Top Shot VV, and then yeah, uh, you know, people will be shocked to hear, but I followed Gary V into ETH for V friends. Mm. He says this in every was, episode. So. Uh, not yeah. every episode, but a lot of them. Um, yeah, no, um, us uh, V friends and Board Ape launched like the same week, I believe. Okay. Um, and V friends was actually going to launch the same day we were, but then for some reason, um, Gary postponed it a week. Yeah, and we were like, "Oh yes, we should we should really launch ASAP." <laughs> we just, uh-huh. 
put it out there. I love that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That's mm. cra- that was what a time for NFT projects launching. I mean, you guys, yeah. friends, board apes, like all of the gutter cats, you know, cool cats was shortly thereafter. Like there mm-hmm. was a, you know, pixel vault was right then. All mm. that stuff was just really amazing. It was interesting, yeah. wasn't it? I feel like we there was way more success stories or more like hits back then, maybe because right. there was less people launching, so more thought behind it. Yeah, yeah. There were so few. Uh, we knew everyone yeah. that was dropping. Like you knew every project. Now there's like I read an article, I think on one of the days in July, there was like 75 new projects dropped. Yeah. And it's only going to get more, right? Right. I mean, now, if you talk about us being in the infancy stages of this space, it's like scary mm-hmm. to think um, how, how crazy it's going to get. Right. Well, now it's so easy too. there's these, these cut and paste websites where you can just kind of mm. put stuff in. I mean, we've been talking a lot about AI. Maybe we'll even get into that a little bit, but imagine mm. where, imagine if you could tell AI, I would like a 10,000, project of donkeys you know what i mean like and it makes it for you that's gonna that's gonna be coming and and then there'll be there can be hundreds of projects a day yep yep all right we gotta run it back really quick because run it back run it back yeah well we gotta talk about the start of it's it's getting crazy here we we gotta (laughs) peel it back a little okay because we gotta talk about uh how you first got into nfts Mm -hmm. i mean i remember and you kind of post sparingly now, but you used to post a lot on your YouTube channel, DCL Blogger. And um, you were making videos four years ago. I looked, I scrolled all the way down. Four years ago, you were making videos about Decentraland. So, yes. you know, that's that's, yeah, that's some OG really. stuff right there. <laughs> but how, how did you get into NFTs originally? Like, who introduced you? No one introduced me, actually. I... I um... I randomly, um, luckily, fell upon it when I was when my my portfolio was sort of crashing. It was the start of the bear market in 2017, and you know everything was going down real quick. And I was like, "Oh, holy shit! I need to diversify." I was like total noob investor back then. So um, I remember going to like the second page of Coin Market Cap to try and find some, you know, some low cap coins or something. And I found Decentraland, and it was like this logo looked like a game. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Went on the website. It was, it was like this video of you can own your own land. And again, interesting concept, very different to back then. It was a lot about currencies. I'm not sure if you guys were uh, there, um, but it was about like, you know, the next Ethereum, you know, NEO and Nano being a competitor to Bitcoin and Bitcoin competing with XRP. And it was like a very currency and, and very core technology oriented, nothing to do with entertainment, nothing really to do with media and all the fun stuff we see now that NFTs can do. So yeah, this was something that stood apart. And then when I joined the Discord, um, there was a bunch of people buying and selling virtual land. And that was like a completely new world back then to me. I was like, oh, holy shit, people are buying and selling virtual land on blockchain somehow. I got to get into this. Um, and you know, back then I think there was just virtual land. There was maybe crypto kitties, crypto punks I had seen, but not really, they hadn't really blasted off that much, or at least I hadn't seen them blast off that much. Um, I, I don't even think art was a thing, um, back then or as much of a, like on blockchain, um, on chain thing, but, uh, yeah, went in there, I started buying and selling land, got, I looked out for other things, saw Ethermon and some other projects and was sort of experimenting with it. That's how I got into it. So sort of by chance, but uh, really got into it when I was trading land and trading NFTs and, and making good money with it. And I was like, oh, well, this is a good way to increase my mana holdings or my Ethereum holdings without putting more money in. And that that was just like 
this is exactly what I'm going to do until the next sort of bull phase comes along. So that's what I did. And this was in what, 2019? No, 2018, 2018. Uh, Jan. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So then why did you decide to start making videos about this? So I actually have a marketing background. Um, well, actually, I have an engineering background. Background. I studied engineering at uni, worked a couple of years, um, didn't really like the field. So started, just quit one day after my second year in, in my career and then just thought I'd learn how to do business and entrepreneurship. But very quickly, you learn the importance of marketing, social media, building awareness. Like that's If you don't have that, then nothing you build will have eyeballs, right? So for the next six to seven years, I was I was just building blogs. I was running Facebook ads and learning how to sell products um, for companies. I was affiliate marketer. I was like e-commerce, drop shipping, Teespring, name it all. Like I was doing everything. Um, and the, the core of all of that is is marketing. It's learning how to grow a brand. It's learning how to sell, um, find value ads, bridges, and things like that. Uh, so when I um yeah when i started land and literally when i when i traded my first two or three lands straight away in my mind i was like <laughs> i was like um you know let's make a course let's make a blog let's make content so straight away i was like doing case studies and my blog doesn't exist now i don't i think i've taken it down but there was some really early blog posts on like how i made three thousand dollars buying and selling land and I'd, I'd show the whole case study i'll show the whole conversation me negotiating everything and it was all there so yeah, that's why I got into content because it was just like the nature of marketing and uh, I had done it for six years. That's awesome. And who were like the, because I feel like only person I can think of for creating content back then was you. Like who were the other big content creators at the time? There was none. I'm really, I'm really yeah. sure there was none. Um, Dang. Or maybe, maybe they're just like super, super yeah. small. Like it was, it was hard so small. There wasn't yeah. anything to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you could talk about blockchain games, but there was no games, right? You would talk about the theory of games and what it could mean. And there's some select small games you could talk about. You could talk about virtual land, but it was, there was only Decentraland. There was like select top projects that were doing well, but because of the bear market, no one was really covering them or they weren't getting that much attention. So I think I was literally the largest um, blogger back then and, and content creator, which was, it wasn't that large anyway. I think I had like 300 followers on YouTube at the time. But back then, the highest Twitter account on NFTs was um, on the media side was like a thousand people or a thousand two hundred people. So, yeah, it was it was so 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 small back then. You still yeah. own a lot of Decentraland? Uh, personally, yeah, I do. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I own Mana Land. I've I've started to like when I started to build the MetaKey, I started to see things in a different perspective. Of like, well, how do you utilize these assets to build value rather than how do you just invest and let them be? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I have mana, I have land. I definitely don't have as much land as I used to. I think at some stage I had like 500 pieces. I think now I've got like wow. maybe 40 to 50 personally. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I do have a little bit of everything still. Cool. What are some things that you can do in Decentraland that maybe most people don't know about? Because I feel like a lot of people when they think about land, they're just like, you know, a lot of these metaverse lands, it's like, okay, I can buy it, it you know, as an investment. Mm. What do I do on this land? Like, and I know Decentraland is one of the metaverses that it's actually like, you, there's actually things to do in Decentraland, yeah. unlike a lot of other like land things where they're just yeah. building right now. Well, exactly right. Um, Decentraland is the, one of the only places, and there's CryptoVoxels, there's Somnium Space, there's, there's a few others, but 
I mean, because I started with Decentraland and have a bit of a soft spot. So um, for me, it became like a sandbox area to test what can be done with virtual land. Um, the idea was that brands would want it one day to build an activation and have a presence and sell stuff and all the sort of things that brands would want to do in the real world. And I think I'm seeing a I, the the sort of trajectory where Decentraland started to really gain momentum is when the art crowd sort of blew up. And then suddenly collectors were building museums and putting their art in those museums. And it was a way for them to maybe even start their own museums, their own virtual museums and virtual collecting was like a thing. People are building some games. Um, people are running events. There's not that much of an audience that consistently hang around Decentraland, but there's, um, I think the way Decentraland works, and I think these virtual worlds will work in the future is that there'll be events and there'll be links that you can put out there using your social media. And then everyone can just join, click a link and hopefully be there in three seconds in front of the event and whatever you're sort of showcasing, whether it be in a conference or you know a, a festival or whatever. So there's that. Um, I know for our company, like we're using that land to have some brands that reach out to us. They want to build a presence and we're working in some sort of an integration with the Medici and suddenly we're saying, all right, well, why don't we build you a presence where you can host a meetup, you can do some AMAs in you know the, the industry of maybe sports or whatever it may be. And for us, it's a win because we get to work with a cool brand and bring some value to Medici owners. For them, it's a win because they have some presence and they can blast out to the metaverse space that, hey, look, we're here, we're active, we're doing something. Um, and they're happy to spend, like today they're spending, you know, from 10K all the way up to $100,000 to build a presence in Decentraland or a presence in these this spaces. But in the future, these brands are absolutely going to spend millions and millions of dollars to build in these spaces and run events because that's where the eyeballs are going to be. If the eyeballs go to the metaverse and there's five to 10 million people coming to these events, Absolutely, a brand's going to spend a ton of money there, right? So I'm just seeing um, Decentraland as the sandbox to experiment with the ideas and concepts and to find little wins, which are scalable when the audience scales to, to millions of people. It's funny you keep calling it the sandbox because there's also sandbox, which know, is kind of, a, kind of a similar. What Do you have take on kind of like the other, some of the other uh, metaverse lands, like, you know, sandbox, hmm. crypto voxels? Um, any other ones that kind of you're interested in, or is, are you like a Decentraland maxi? No, um, I'm open to everything. Uh, mm -hmm. We have land in the sandbox. We've got land in DCL. We've got land in the Somnium space. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, some of our investors will go on to have land in the board ape, you know, improbable. So we're happy sure. to deploy things anywhere, wherever the people go. Yep. Um, I guess it depends on what, we'd want to build in those spaces like Decentraland is good because it's an open, like a, a, an SDK kit where you can build whatever you want. <clears throat> uh, whereas the sandbox um, is more voxelized as you guys know. And I think um, it's different, right? I, I believe like when you go from one land to the other, you have to teleport to that land. You can't actually just look over your shoulder and see what the other land is doing. Yeah. Whereas Decentraland, you can, you can walk, you can see what they've built. And I mean, that's mm -hmm. some, there's a lot of issues there that Decentraland have to work through, but Sandbox coming from the gaming environment where they've instanced like each, you know, um, section of land where it's its own game, it's its own experience. So it's like scalable and it's fluid and, and yeah. motion is good. It works a bit differently. So looking at what the usability is, the the, the things that we're building and where we'd want to go, but I, yeah, no, no issue going anywhere. The only issue I have is um, maybe being behind some projects that promise a metaverse or promise a virtual world, because 
just being with Decentraland, I know it took like four years to get to where it is today. And today it's still, there's still a lot of improvement to be done, but it took four mm-hmm. years. And that's of a team that were dedicated to make it work. Um, Sandbox, again, that's been like three to four years. It's not even open to public yet. So it takes a long right. time, a lot of resources, a lot of money, a lot of support to build a section of the metaverse. So anyone promising that, just not having those other th- those other boxes ticked, I just feel um it's a bit of a risky risky play, right? Yeah, that's a good point. There were when that whole glut of projects started coming toward the end of last year, there was a lot of we're building our own metaverse and all that stuff. And yeah, it's a good point to make for sure. Yeah, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Um, probably cost you a couple million dollars to build out unless right. you do all the development yourself, right? Sure. But um. Sure. Yeah. And then it's also like, well, if these other, if there's giant metaverse projects, you know, putting in hundreds and hundreds of people resources and tens of millions of dollars in building it out mm-hmm. and how, how are like some smaller, smaller people going to compete with that? Why would people go there when there's this whole universe of stuff to do in this, this like well-funded, well-resourced right. metaverse project. So it's, that's the, I'm sort of being a bit patient yeah, on this land sure. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's the argument I keep hearing for meta that they might, kind of win just because they're going to they're going to have the money they're going to have the teams they're going to be able to buy up their competition if they think somebody's doing something really good you know and they they're going to probably have the eyes with instagram and facebook and all that yeah meta is an interesting one um Mm -hmm. i mean if you look at improbable and i talk about improbable um my fund is an investor into improbable uh, yeah i'd love to hear technology so we invested quite early like i think six to eight months ago when they they were talking about it and they were showing us what they had built and their experience and unlike a crypto company or an nft project that may have spawned in the last year or two their technology has been building for the last 10 years right so they built the technology to scale your user base so that there's potentially five thousand ten thousand maybe even fifteen thousand in the one instance in the one place You've got thousands of people. So that's revolutionary when it comes to game technology in general. I, I believe the largest you can have is maybe a thousand or two thousand, and people are still trying to break those barriers. But this is like a half a billion dollar well-funded team that have over a, close to a thousand people working for them. They've been going on for mm. 10 years. Um, so when you have a powerhouse like that, you, you I mean Meta has some serious competition. It's not like Meta's okay. I mean, yes, yeah. Facebook is Facebook. Absolutely agree with you. Very well funded, mm-hmm. big. They already have the user base. But there's some, there's others that are working on specific metaverse issues and, and scaling that rather than yeah. Facebook trying to work on everything. And again, like Facebook, you should never underestimate Facebook. But I just feel like there, there, is, there is some other shapes that this space can, can form that isn't that's, dominated by Facebook, hopefully. That's good to hear. Yes. Yeah. So to be clear, I'm not like rooting for Facebook or anything. I just, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> sometimes like they're like the Walmart, you know, they can just do what yeah. they do. But uh um, so you're kind of excited about the other side is what it sounds like. I mean, I'm excited, <clears throat> excited about the technology powering the other side. Yep. So okay. M squared, uh, what they're going to do. Um, so M squared is the, the division underneath the improbable company. That's going to be build like the network layer. So the network layer is where um, they're sort of using board API club as uh, one of the many universes or the, one of the many worlds you can build on M squared. Um, so you'll be using their tech. You'll be using it's almost like Decentraland, except you're not buying a land plot. You're just you just have your own server, tech, like your own section on the network. 
And so any anyone else, and I know they're talking to some other brands, I'll talk to some other projects. So you, you're technically building your, your corner of the metaverse on M squared, and they'll all connect because you're sort of using the same avatar models, base models, so you can sort of transition some assets across. Mm-hmm. So I'm more interested to see how that whole network comes to fruition. But absolutely, yeah, I, I'm not invested in um, Board Ape Yacht Club or mm-hmm. the other side, but I'm super interested to see how they build out and test that that network layer and um, you know come cool. out. No, it's really it's interesting to hear. And uh, last, I'll ask one more quick question before I let Jennifer take back over. I kind of start monopolizing a little bit. It's a good conversation. But there if you is. were theoretically, totally theoretically, to build a podcast studio in one of these metaverses, where would you uh, build it? Uh, I w- I would use Decentraland. Yeah, personally, just just because you can go there, right? You can actually have a meetup right. with hundreds of people there. Right. Um, I think in crypto voxels as well, you can do it. Like crypto voxels has always amazed me with the amount of people they actually have for their meetups. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how fluid and unbreakable their sort of streaming would be, and and sort of audio. If you're if you're streaming in audio stuff and video to display your podcast, whether it be live or okay. recorded, I'm not sure if those capabilities are are fully fleshed out. But I know mm-hmm. Decentraland, you can sort of do that. So yeah. I, I'll start with DCL, but hey, you can you can take that 3D model and go wherever you want. Cool. Thank you. We got to talk about the MediKey because, yeah, I mean, the MediKey is your project. I'm I'm curious on how, like what inspired you to create the MediKey and then maybe just like a rundown of what is the MediKey for those that don't know. Yeah, sure. So like the MediKey, the idea and the premise was that, hey, look, well, the, the core of it started as being like an extension of me, right? Um me, Maddie, when it comes to DCL Blogger, like I'd get a lot of requests to collaborate with projects. Um, I would make courses on YouTube. I'm, all of them would be free. Um, I'd do all this stuff that would be very active in the space. And, you know, I was getting to a point where some really good brands wanted to work with me. I just didn't have the bandwidth to work with them or I just didn't know how else to work with them apart from just talking about them on YouTube and doing just this influencer stuff that you, you, you'd probably get. Um but I was like, all right, well, why don't I make a company that has an NFT, which we can work towards integrating it within this company that comes to me. So maybe it's like Audi or um, maybe Maserati one day. And we say, all right, well, you can use the MediKeys to maybe get a discount on a car or open a car. And we can, we can add some functionality that tests the bounds and innov- innovates on the space. Um, but MediKey owners will be people that have followed me initially, but will extend to be people that are interested in utility so that these brands that come, they have this audience that they can plug into, that audience can get value back by going and doing stuff in the spaces. And it can be a bunch of different things um, that I can do that gives value to the Medici owners. So, so I think a big part of that was, all right, well, why don't I just keep making YouTube content and just keep doing stuff with the Medici community? And I started to do a little bit of that when in the early days. Um, but the last six months have been, the last year has been a hectic with the kids. So slowly getting back into content creating again, doing streams, but you know, things like giveaways or they're very basic stuff. Giveaways are basic, but even things like making courses or making like content specific courses um, for like, imagine uh, basically like a, a massive um, web three course database. And we're working on this. I think we're going to release it within like a month where you can go in there and educators can create courses um and get and earn points um and that are redeemable for nfts or maybe tokens one day and then people that want to educate themselves they can earn points so it's like this ecosystem where 
people are organically making Web3 content, curated content, okay, how to be secure and safe, um, how to use a ledger, how to do this, how to do that. Um, and there's all this content out there and I can add content to that and you can have access to it. I was, we were initially thinking you could have access to it if you have a meta key, but what we thought was, let's just give everyone access to it. But if you have a meta key, maybe the points that you earn can compound a little bit more than not earning a meta key. So there's like that education base and then there's all the brands and stuff. So yeah, meta key has become um, basically like your access to what I do in the space and hopefully what I'll do beyond. So we're talking with at least five to six major brands and activating in the space and and not selling to the Medici community, but doing something to activate themselves, but the Medici community having access to whatever they're doing. So it could be like, you know, some sports brand like soccer or the, the Olympics and they come in and they do like, you know, shows and they do AMAs with like their sports people. And maybe the Medici community can have access to see and learn about what that industry is like. Um, maybe you can go get some free tickets at the Olympics or get a discount on that. Maybe if you have that, you can scan it at the Olympics and you can get some free, you know, drinks or all sorts of things. So we're working with, this year has been a lot about uh, merging with some brands. And I know we haven't gone public with any of them, but there's at least about 10 massive name ones that we're working on. Um, but really hitting momentum. So we're also building our own sort of virtual world called New Ganymede, which will be like this massive gaming hub, um, social hub where you can hang out. Um, but you can also do cross metaverse quests. So you, like there'll be brands that, or we will start giving you quests to, to go and, you know, five on five battles and all these sorts of things, but you can go to different games, finish the quests, quests there, get items that are usable here. So we're really just innovating and looking at where within the space can we do new things and bringing that to the Medici company and community. The problem we found in the early days is these partnerships are very easy to make, but they take three to six months to roll out. So it's, it takes time to to get these things finalized. The larger the brands, the more legal process it is. So I think we're starting to hit like second, third gear this year. So um, by the end of this year, well into the next year, we should be really like, yeah, going pretty quick with all these brand announcements and all this sort of stuff. Wow, that was a lot of alpha that you leaked, like just so many different things you're talking about. Um, and a lot of different things popped into my head. But um, well, one of the things that you guys had, done in the past with partnerships that was huge in my opinion was the artifacts um partnership mm -hmm. and you know one of the medikeys is like an artifacts medikey like you had collaborated mm -hmm. um with the artist through artifact and then um i kind of forget if it was like you could claim a vial or what the situation was but i remember my sister was like so pumped about that what was it yeah. No, I think it was like you could claim um, one Clonex for claim point two ETH or something. Yeah, it was like it was like insane. Like, it was, <laughs> oh shoot, I should have got that mm -hmm. artifact Medici, and then it started pumping like crazy. It was going to like ten ETH or something the Medici. <laughs> but yeah, so okay, the educational courses that is so interesting because I do feel like one of the things that we really do lack in in Web three is not necessarily the lack of education or information, but like a way for people to access information easily. And mm. it's just there's a lot of information kind of scattered about all over the place. And you know, I have an, an entrepreneur background, and I used to take a lot of you know entrepreneur courses. And like courses is like a huge thing in the in the entrepreneur space. You can learn anything through courses. Um, and I think that's, I mean, that's genius to be able to have like web three courses and different educators coming in and kind of creating their own courses within that. Um, and I love that whole idea yeah. of like the ecosystem rewarding people for 
kind of reminds me of when we were going through that whole airdrop phase of like, oh, rewarding users for using, you know, interacting with mm. our our platform, like ENS, we were talking about the other day, you know, that the token airdrop and all that. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Rewarding people yeah. for, yeah, it's, for it's learning, it's learn to earn. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think the thing is, there's a lot of information out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I think almost everything is out there, right? But what's people can't work with that. People can't work with everything being out there. They work with something more simpler, more digestible. So what we're thinking is, why don't we make curated courses on specific topics that are of need and then put them in this space where you can go in there, you could you could filter it to, you know, NFTs and maybe minting developer stuff or uh, making money, entrepreneurship, podcasting, social media, and all of this stuff, very, very specific to Web3 and learn the Web3 component of the stuff. So marketing in the non-Web3 world is a little bit different. Marketing in the Web3 world is a little bit different. YouTube growth is a bit different. TikTok and all this sort of stuff. There may be a specific strategy that works well in the Web3 space, which someone with that knowledge can make, you know, a curated three to four video course, five minutes each, boom, it's there. And suddenly all this content is there. It's almost like a mini YouTube, but just for the Web3 um, space. And the cool thing is there's so many connections you can make. All right, you can you can earn points and do quizzes and stuff. Then we can have a virtual university in Decentraland or the Sandbox where you can do a live workshop and maybe get some certificates and maybe you'll get employed because you completed this, this set of stuff in the NFT Ooh. space and entrepreneurship. And it'll be like, all right, well, you know, Jenny or, or whoever has, has, has finished this whole social media section on Med Academy and you've got a certificate and suddenly companies might acknowledge that as a way that you've educated yourself in the space. Cause I know when we were trying to hire for the Medicare, it's very difficult. Like we, we interview, we've interviewed hundreds of people, but the resume isn't sort of enough. It's more like we want someone to be native to the space that can speak the language that have been here for a while, you know, and this may be a way to qualify that. And, and there's so many things we can do. Maybe you can get a wearable or an, NFT as a reward that's usable in Decentraland or a special Coca-Cola hat that you can use in the sandbox and you can do this partnership. So there's like so many gamification methods um, that we can build into this. It's it's sort of fun to, to add an experiment with. That's awesome. And you said this is like potentially rolling out in a month or like at least the start of it. Oh, it's um, so probably phase one where you can go in there and, and watch a bunch of different courses. Um, and then the adding of points and all that might take a little bit longer, but we've got an amazing team building this out and it's like 95% done. It's so cool. It's like all coming to life. You can filter it. We just got to add a bunch of different courses. So I'm personally going to do like a hundred piece course on the whole web three space. It's all going to be free. um, And it's going to sort of launch with that, Um, but completely open for anyone to come in and make courses. And we pay for courses as well. So no one's doing it for free. We actually pay for that set of courses and get you guys going and then hopefully get like 10 to 15 people in the space to make set courses to launch it off. And then hopefully it'll be a little bit more organic after that. How can people find out about it now? Is there any type of, or maybe there's an account they should be following? Um, um, we No, I think I'll do a Twitter thread on the MediKey um, okay. in about a week on what we're thinking about it. But you could DM the MediKey or myself if you want to make some courses or get involved somehow. And I could connect you up to that team. Um, to get something going yeah all right so i mean we'll put this in the show notes but make sure you guys are following the MediKey on twitter and also dcl blogger on twitter that's maddie's uh personal twitter account um okay let's switch gears here a little bit because i want to talk about nft gaming i know you're 
you're really kind of into NFT gaming. And I mean, we haven't really seen, like I play Gods and Chains. That's like my favorite like blockchain nice. game. I just play it for huh? fun. I've been playing it for the past year, but you know, there hasn't really been any like big games. I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on the future of NFT gaming. What do you think we have in store for, oh my God, your cat is so cute. I love cats. Sucker for cats. Yeah. She's my, um, my work buddy. She gets in the way sometimes, but, um, well, yeah, I think NFT gaming is going to be big. It's interesting to see how it gets there though, because we thought traditional games might just turn on that, that NFT switch, right? Something like RuneScape or World of Warcraft or something that already has a user base. It's like, oh, well, now you can buy and sell the items you get. Totally didn't anticipate the backlash that NFTs would get in the gaming and arts world. It was so crazy. It was like no one wanted to see a 95% dislike rate ratio on, on Ubisoft announcement on YouTube. It was pretty insane. Yeah, and Microsoft hey, saying, oh, we're abandoned. we're never going to do NFTs, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. Like, oh, Minecraft. It's become, exactly. It's become like trendy and, and um, cool to bash on the whole yeah. NFT thing and, and a good PR move to just, just sort of earn the trust of your user base to be like, nah, we're not doing it. And somebody's like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we're never, we're never going to give you ownership of the assets. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, weird. Yeah, why are you will own like, nothing and you will like it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll just keep so, giving so us weird. money. Right. Exactly. It's so weird to, to see that happen. But what that does do is just give people native to the NFT space a tremendous opportunity to build games that are of high caliber that start to garner a user base and suddenly it becomes the example of, okay, wait a second. You don't have to keep buying NFTs for thousands of dollars. NFTs could just be rewards you get for doing quests and items. And there's this marketplace feature of it. And slowly being like, okay, well, I've got not this game, you know, it's got no wordings of NFTs. It's got no wording of blockchain. You just go there and play the game like you normally would. Doesn't charge me anything. And then suddenly I get items that I can sell to each other. This is this is pretty cool. So it it gives tremendous opportunity, I think, for own inbound in-house games within the blockchain world like Axie and Infinity to go out and, and you know give a little boost to the industry or something else like Big Time Studio or Treeverse or whichever game comes our way that might go on to have a massive user base and and break it for us. So I thought again I thought the major brands would be the ones that would push this but it looks yeah. like it'll be internal. It might take a little bit longer than usual but hey at the end of the day again they're like super super well funded right. There's like tens of if not hundreds of millions of dollars going behind some of these games. So They'll, they'll crack it at some point, for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I have a question from our community that um, we were tweeted at, and they're like, can you start asking your guests this question? So you're going to be the first person to answer this question for us. Why do you think NFT projects fail? Mm, good question. I think there's, there's a lot of reasons. I, I think it really comes down to the founder, uh, the person behind the project. Um, you could sort of have this uh, there's an experience as well like when you when you send out nfts out there maybe you keep doing drops that dilutes everything else and suddenly no one's interested in it anymore or maybe you put a roadmap out there that will take way 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 longer than the initial people anticipate and so they get bored and move on but the word failure is interesting in the nft speaker in the, in the nft space because projects can die down and they could not get any attention at all. But four years later, they become like the hottest thing in the whole space. Like some of the historical projects like Rare Pepe's or Curio Cards or even um, Punk's for 
the whole bear market, like 2018, 19, and much of 2020, punks weren't getting that much attention. Um, suddenly, it got a lot of attention because people dialed back the clock and realized, oh, wait a second, these guys were, were the OGs or one of the OGs, right? So, and even like Ethermon, I remember when Ethermon, um, sort of like a Pokemon game on the NFT space, it was a bit of a big, big deal back in the day, died down. And in the bear market, they sort of throw in the, threw in the white towel and the original founder was like, look, this is not sustainable. Um, we're going to sell this brand. If anyone wants to buy it, um, let us know. Then a company bought it over and they relaunched called Ether, Ethereumon, um, but they used the same assets. So the NFTs that you had of Ethermon, they turned to dust when they threw in the white, they, they sort of like gave up on it. But when it was bought over and suddenly they started to build on it again, those NFTs picked up in value again. So death is an interesting term in the NFT space. And I think um, the main cause of it could potentially just be that the community expects too much um, and it just takes too long to build some of these things. Like Decentraline took four years. It was very, very painful to watch every day. So many community community members left because for two years there was nothing to do in DCL apart from just look at pixels on a map um, and trade land, right? There was no, you couldn't go in. You didn't even know what it would look like. Um, yeah, it's, I think the expectations of having something to do ASAP or, or, People's expectations of this having relevancy straight off the bat for months to come is is wrong because crypto and social media makes everything. You got to keep relevant across multi uh, you know multi year process. And as soon as you do a drop or an NFT drop, um, there's this whole process of community building that takes place. There's this whole process of process building so that you hire a HR person, you hire a team that manages this part, the Discord members. You make sure that they work well to each other. You scale that team. That takes six months in its own self. So. You're investing at a startup level, which is the riskiest time to invest. Um, and, you're, and I think people are expecting too much. So, yeah. And then not to mention the scams. I mean, we can go, we can talk a lot about the scams and the rug pulls and projects that promise things that they'll most likely intend not to do, not to deliver on. But yeah, a whole bucket of things. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, the, the pressure, man. There's so much pressure from... You, you know, everything is so go, go, go fast, 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 like mm -hmm. that people forget that, oh, things take time, you know? And, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, what do what, what does an NFT project do to keep relevance? Like for me with, with Medici, um, I knew I got really busy with the kid and it was a bit of an experiment as well. I was like, all right, well, can the company just do really, really well without an influencer myself sort of re pushing it all the time? So uh, I backed off a little bit and noticed that the Medici token dropped in value and there was a le less enthusiasm. And some people that were leaving left comments like, oh, Matt is not active anymore. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, why does it depend on an influencer or, you know, someone to be that part of it for it to succeed? Why can't it, we do these awesome things, but why does it have to come from Matty's account or all these sort of things, right? But then I, you know, that's the reality of it is that, you know, when, when you have the power of putting it out there, people believe in that power and people believe that you will keep bringing attention. So it was just an interesting realization about those things. And I think, um, you know, it just, it, it there is pressure on looking at the marketing and lining up ways to continue to drop really cool stuff every week, or at least show what you're working on very, like a lot in, in, in most of the, um, as frequently as possible. So yeah, it's a, it's a whole different ballgame to traditional building tech businesses, for sure. You talked about historic NFTs, um, and I had seen that you had written a whole thread on them, too. What are some of your favorite historic historical NFTs? Uh, I like, um, 
I like the story of CryptoPunks. I think they're pretty cool. I've owned some of them, then I flipped some of them. I don't own them anymore. But I do like that, um, the, that whole story. But when I found out there was more history behind that as well, and there was some projects behind that, I thought they was pretty cool. They were pretty cool. Um, I like Curio Cards just because um, it seemed like the first sort of um, art collection on Ethereum that people, you could see like when you look at the Curio Cards, it had a lot to do with Bitcoin, which is the vibe back then in 2016. Um, 17. Uh, I like rare pepes. I mean, how can you not like rare pepes? They're just like the coolest, memeiest things ever. Um, and I mean, that was like so early 2015, I believe that was on like Bitcoin, Bitcoin chain. There's so many, but um, there was a time when I was really into it and looking deep into it. And I just realized how big of a, there's just so much historical projects. There's like uh, spells of Genesis. There's like art, there's all sorts of art on the early Bitcoin chain. So there's like this whole all this momentum we were seeing, there was a spike of that back in the Bitcoin world um, on, on um, what was it called? XCP. What's that chain yeah, called again? Something like that. Yeah, I forget. Uh, Counterparty, right? Counterparty, Counterparty, yeah. For Bitcoin yeah. NFTs yeah. or whatever. Rare Pepe's and Cura cards are my favorite ones, maybe because I'm invested, but I like all, a lot of them. They're, they're all, even the rocks, like 100 rocks is just JPEG gray rocks. It's just oh, like yeah. interesting. <laughs> Wait, the Ether rocks are going for like 100 ETH or something crazy? I think they're down. They're down pretty bad at the moment. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like everything. Where are they buy. at? Yeah. Yeah. I be. I have a curio card because of you. Actually, you were really um, talking about him a lot. I have. Um, I got in kind of early with it, and then I saw it kind of skyrocket, and then I was like, "Well, I'm just going to hold on to this thing." I forget which one I have. I think I have number ten or something. And then I also have two like series one rare peppers, <laughs> and I'm like, I was. And then um, crypto crystals. I have a couple of those, like from 2018. Um, mm. I have like a couple historical ones. Kind of fun. I sort of feel most confident in the historical NFTs when it comes to much of my other NFT investments, just because time is on your side, mm-hmm. and every day that goes past, that set the historic history always becomes more more interesting and more valuable. Just like art, right? X copy used to sell art for like hundreds of dollars back in 2018 now I'm selling it for millions of dollars because yep. he was relevant back then um along with a bunch of different artists so time is always on our side so i i like certain projects that i i personally felt that made a bang and then you know whether it be two years from now or five years from now or 10 years from now that project doesn't have to do anything but just the the time and the history and the user base growth will bring attention to those projects so yeah like crypto punks you know curio cards hopefully uh, rare pepes and a bunch of others so even the rocks all of these things they'll just keep resurfacing here and there and have their own spikes i think yeah they have those cycles of like all of a sudden someone rediscovers it or like mm-hmm. um i remember gary v he just randomly decided to get really into historical nfts and then all of a sudden you know a bunch of them started pumping and then yeah they'll go through their little cycles um mm-hmm. which is always interesting and then, you know, when it's all quiet, everyone forgets about them. But then that's like the best time to buy if you truly believe yeah. it, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It is the best time to buy, but it's like the hardest time to it's buy. Hard, because yeah. You just feel like, why are you the only person doing this and no one else is? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's happening what... right now with a bunch of projects. Like I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh, do I want to keep my ETH? Because ETH is probably going to go up or do I want to mm. buy these projects that I've wanted to get into? You know, it's definitely a... Yeah, there's that as well, right? It's like 
yeah, it's, it's just such a weird economy. It's like, do you spend your ETH or do you just hold it? Right. Um, and then there's this volatility, then the price of things may, may change in ETH value. So there's also timing, like you got to learn the timings of things. Yep. Um, yeah. Timing's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have advice for people that are, maybe they don't have much money to spend on investing in NFTs, but they're really like interested in the space and they've just been trying to learn and, you know, figure out a way to get involved, um, but they don't really want to like put a bunch of money into like buying different mm. NFTs and stuff. Yeah, that's a tough one because NFTs specifically are like a, an unlock of an economical market that didn't previously exist. So it does it does tie into money at some point. I would, yeah, it's 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 hard to figure out like what to do. There's so much things that are happening here. Like if you don't have money, maybe you can stack skills in the space. Maybe you can become very good at development, uh, very good at art, uh, very good at running events or podcasting, social media. A lot of these things become insanely valuable in this Web3 space um, and they bring money that you can use to invest in the NFT space. So if you're not willing to buy an NFT, which is fine. In fact, most people don't want to spend money on the internet. It's it's a thing that's very foreign to them, spending money on uh, educational courses. Even that's sort of like a new thing. But spending um, it on an NFT, on an investment that you might not see a return in or, or sort of like might seem like sunk money to you. That's a tough thing for most people to do. So I do get that mindset. But if you're not going to put, put in money, that's fine. You just got to put in time and resources and yeah. put in the work, right? To get money to invest in NFT. So like some of the artists, like Ferocious was an interesting one because um, he was selling art um, back in the early days and some of the art pieces started to sell for a couple of thousand dollars. I remember when I got, got involved, I bought three or four pieces for a couple of thousand dollars each. But Ferocious used that money to buy NFTs. So he became a collector of his own. So he fin- he financialized his skill to get money to use to collect in NFTs. So it's same like doing podcasts or if you want to run events or you want to start your own company or all sorts of small things, but you have to do something more than the regular thing. You can't um, expect it to just come your way if you're just you know, skimming the top or reading some stuff and not really doing anything about it, not really upgrading your skills, um, all that sort of stuff. You just have to be a bit proactive. Taking action. Yeah. I remember when I first learned about crypto, it was like 2017. And I remember I literally spent like hundreds of hours just listening to podcasts and I hadn't bought a single cryptocurrency. I was just like... Mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of a little bit scared too and hesitant. So I was just trying to like learn as much as I could. But, you know, really I knew that, okay, I had to actually, you know, I need to like take action and actually like decide to buy some, you know, Bitcoin. I keep learning about it. I need to actually like try it out. You know, the best thing, best way to learn is by doing. So yeah. And there's no like harm in just like not buying anything. Like you could just chill here and just learn about it. And like you said, just devour podcasts and information just to learn what this new space has to offer. It could just be the experience stuff. Maybe you just want to jump into a metaverse space and talk to people about tech and and all that. Got nothing to do with money, right? So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point too. I, I got in Clubhouse. I was there every day for six months, all night long, sometimes till four or 5 a.m., like wow. talking with, you know, talking with people from all over the world, people I'm still friends with, um, nice. people we've had on the podcast, you know, like, like really great people. And uh, that's, that's, that's a really good way to learn. Now it's Twitter spaces. It's not clubhouse anymore, but mm. if you want to learn, you know, listen to the podcast, but also go into Twitter spaces 
and just pop into some random ones and hear the conversations. And you'll you'll learn a lot. You'll meet people. I wonder what happened to Clubhouse. Uh, well, what happened to Clubhouse? Mm. Twitter offered them four billion dollars in May of last year. They turned it down. Okay. They turned it down. So oh, wow. Twitter said, "Okay, we'll make our own." Oh. And Twitter Spaces. Honestly, what happened to Clubhouse is Twitter Spaces. That was like with Instagram Stories and Snapchat. I remember Snapchat, everyone was like, "I used to always post on Snap." Right. And then, right. and then all of a sudden, like Instagram yeah. Stories comes out. The big boy comes in, and right now, I mean, that was almost like I think that was almost like that was like a courtesy offer by by Twitter. They were like, you know, would you like this the easy way or the hard way? <laughs> yeah, chose the hard. We'll way. Buy you out, or I'll put you out of business. Which Pretty one much. is it? Pretty much. I remember when it started happening, the room started getting smaller. We started seeing more and more everyone shifting over to Twitter spaces. And now I go on Clubhouse and it's like it'll be like 10 or 12 people like good friends. We talk about NFTs, but it's not like it used to be where the rooms were hundreds of people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Clubhouse was an interesting thing because they just didn't have any stored content. So there's like no reason to hang out unless you were in something live. Right. Um, Whereas you go into Twitter, you're there generally because you want to read the updates of the day that you can consume, whether there's something live or not. So it already had the eyeballs, whether there was any anything live or not. And then all they had to do was just add the the functionality of spaces and then boom. Yeah. You know, it yep. just, it's pretty much just like Clubhouse. I mean, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's pretty funny. But they offered, they offered, I'm sure the, the owners of Clubhouse. That would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. That's yeah, a story you tell everyone. I know. You know, I know. Twitter. Yeah. We were like, nah, we got this. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Four billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. It's wild. Um, I want to run it back real quick to uh, Medikey 4. Uh, mm-hmm. When it came out, I've noticed that one of my very favorite artists, Jay Marino from Argentina, who I think is, is like, he's like a genius. I mean, his stuff like, mm. like Japanese garden and some of the new stuff he's even put out. Like I am a huge fan of his from well before that. We've actually messaged. I messaged right. to congratulate him when that dropped. I just wanted to kind of find out how that came about. How did you know about him? Have you been a fan? How the connection happened? Mm. Cause yeah, I mean, it's Jay Marino. Uh, VFX on Twitter. If anybody wants to check him out, I mean, real genius mm. with graphics Phenomenal. and yeah, for sure. How'd that, how'd yeah. that come about? Um, so we'd, we'd be a bit patient with the, the next artist choice. We let that sort of come to us. One of us maybe finds something that's super, super interesting. They were like, Oh, holy mm-hmm. shit. This makes a lot of sense. So Jay Marino's, I remember he did a piece where there was like some sort of a motherboard chip. It's 3d and it was spinning around. Yep. Yep. Like, oh, this could be a card. What if it was a card where each time it spun, it came to a different universe? Um, so I had a bit of a vision in my head, but just gave it to Jay Marino. And what he did was like beyond anything that mm-hmm. any of us had imagined. Um, but yeah, look, I actually didn't know of him until I just randomly came across his stuff on Twitter and then hit him up and he was excited. We were excited. And then, yeah, super stoked to have worked with him. I think he his stuff really hits on that metaverse vibe like he did some stuff with artifact studio i know he's done some stuff with triple eight or whatever designs he does now there's like this this like emergence of creativity on whatever he designs that's that's super cool so yeah he's uh he's become a good friend of the medici and we'll we'll keep doing some stuff together but yeah that's awesome yeah no he i mean everybody he isn't he doesn't get the attention he deserves because he is he's a genius with that kind of stuff people should go check out his work for sure he's um done art for only a year prior to that so wow isn't that insane? 
Yeah, that's like, insane. That's insane. Yep. Yeah. He was one of the, I, I learned about him through Clubhouse, the early days of Clubhouse. That's how I ah. came across him, a lot of different artists, but he was one of them. And I always watched him because that one of those early ones, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his Japanese garden one, but that one just blew me away. Yeah, it's, it's just really cool where this girl's like walking through this like tranquil Japanese meadow and there's like lake and pagodas or whatever. And then she puts on this VR headset and all of a sudden there's like dragons flying around and like battles happening. Like it's really cool. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to go so check that, it out actually. Yeah, you should. You should. After the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, send me his Twitter, Michael, so I can check okay. yeah, well, yeah, I will. I'll send you oh. Japanese Garden. Yeah, for sure. And uh and now uh, I mean I'm I'm a huge fan. I've always I've always sent him little notes of congratulations. You know, we're not like friends or anything, but just to just to mm. say what's up and just because he's he's really that mm. good. That's cool. That's cool to hear the do stories. You have, do you have his aunt? Um apart from I don't I don't own any of them. Um I don't even know if he's only put out like five or six for sale. I think mm. if I'm not mistaken, it hasn't been like a lot. I got to look closer, but I don't own any of his art. Sadly, yeah. I would like to. The last one that I saw that he put out for sure was like in April and uh, 888 bought it for like 18.88 ETH. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Back when Triple Eight uh, was way more active, was yeah. Back when he was uh, around, yeah, before he sure. rugged the we, yeah. NFT community. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we we talked about that controversy a couple times. Yeah, mm. the slow rug slowly yeah. disappear. All of a sudden, wait, what happened to this person? Yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah, anonymous. No on that. I don't know. I feel like I've, I've actually dealt with Triple Eight a lot, like on calls and stuff. And he was like super, super enthusiastic and wants to do a lot of stuff. I don't think he had the intention to rug. I mean, this is totally off topic, but I, I just feel like he, he just right promised just way didn't do what he promised way yeah, too early yeah. than he he could possibly have put out there. One yeah. big thing that I would have never done was sort of like kept telling or or, or like putting too much pressure on the the drop the or the, the NFT right. sales and the price because yeah. right. when that drops, it's just very difficult to recover from. And if it drops from a really top point and you're still building your yeah. product and you're a year and a half away, then it's just, it's going to get real ugly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He pumped that up pretty big. Uh, do you remember the video that he put out on his website, 888, the new world or whatever? It was like this beautiful video, mm. like, and that was early on. I was like, wow, this guy, this is going to be something. It had all the artists were involved. Mm-hmm. Like every artist you ever heard of in the NFT space was, was listed on there. Um, what was it called? Yeah. New World? Yeah, 888TNW. The, the, the video is still the up. New World, right? yeah. yeah, the New World. 888TNW.com. And you can go watch the video. It's actually it's a spectacular video. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who made that, but spectacular. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with his metaverse projects, right? Like, I'm sure he would have been like, oh, yeah, we're going to build our own one. But he, I, some people realize like this stuff takes way too long to build out. So you can mm-hmm. identify, even if it looks beautiful, like, you know, it's going to take a very long time to, to build exactly. out. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I remember you had dropped the, we're talking about MetaKey 4. You dropped it on Rarible, which I remember was kind of controversial at the oh time. Because people were yeah. like, why would you drop something on Rarible? You're like, well, we dropped the last couple of keys on Rarible. <laughs> like, like we didn't have any problems, but then all of a sudden there was a ton of demand when MetaKey 4 came out and, and like Rarible just kind of handle it. I'm curious, what mm-hmm. are some of your favorite marketplaces besides OpenSea? Because, you know, you've been around the past four years. You've seen a lot of 
different marketplaces. I mean, Rarible mm-hmm. kind of used to be a lot more popular, but now not too much. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, different marketplaces. Not many, to be honest. Um, I just stick to the, the regular OpenSea. Um, Do you the like thing about looks rare at all? Which one? Looks rare. Looks rare a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Not much. I'll be honest, not much. Mm-hmm. But a super rare, I guess that's an, that's an art marketplace. Back in the day, I'd be on Known Origin and Maker's Place where I'd be collecting art. The thing about marketplaces is that they need uh, a, a very healthy stuff for sale like there needs to be a lot of things for sale for it to tie up Mm -hmm. both ends of it so the buyers and the sellers if you just go there and if you want to sell your um, board ape but there's just no one there then you're not going to sell it there's no liquidity there right so it needs to tie up the orders and the sales and all that sort of stuff so it has to have a lot of momentum before it can be usable um so i've just stayed with OpenSea to be honest just because it has by far the most volume i think unless unless you know unless you're going to Tell me that looks rare has a good amount of volume because I haven't researched I it that much to be honest, but I'm happy. No, to- yeah. not, not quite close to open. So you're right about that. The, yeah. not as close. There's more listings. There's more volume. That's where the action is mm-hmm. still for sure. It's hard. To I like the different. It. Yeah, no, I, I like the different um, experimental models that are are, are being mm-hmm. you know experimented on. Whether it be um, you earn tokens if you trade, or whether it be if you if you own some of the tokens, you get a discount. Like those sort of things are super, super cool to look into. I know that's how Rarible kicked off because it gave people tokens if they bought and sold and suddenly people were like, well, why, why should I buy and sell on OpenSea? I'm just going to rush to Rarible. Mm-hmm. So that's what actually kicked them off, but they couldn't sustain it because most most of the, the biggest projects launched on OpenSea still. So it was interesting to watch OpenSea get all of that audience back by not having to release the token. Yeah. Um, mm. Interesting times. But yeah, that uh, rareable drop with the MetaKey 4 was just like way more than we could ever anticipate. It was gone within like 10 minutes. And I was like, this is insane. Like, how did how does this even happen? Yeah, but, a lot of people yeah. watching and waiting. And, you know, a lot of people knew about MetaKey. They just, um, I mean, people don't really like buying on the secondary. Personally, I love buying mm-hmm. on the secondary. Like I was, I was like, I'm happy to wait, you know, and, and watch the price mm-hmm. for the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks. And then, Mm. wait for it to be something that I want to buy into yeah, yeah. and then buy. That's what I did. But yeah, people like to to mint. Like people love yeah. like minting something and knowing that, oh, they're the one that minted it. And it's like kind of something special. I mean, I think mm. it's a little bit special to mint something, but yeah. I mean, you don't but have to I, worry the about like, it. The, the most pressure happens at the mint, right? So that's just like, oh yeah. You, you, you'll still see projects now, no matter how big they are, go down or do something wrong. I think with the artifact AR drop, there was like all sorts of issues and, um every project has had these sort of things and that's been happening for the last four years it's just i think one of the issues is that it's just very difficult to anticipate how big of a deal that drop's going to be like mm. for us it was very overwhelming I, I was in my mind i was like you know this will probably take a week to sell let's just line up some pr stuff we'll hit, i'll hit youtube i'll hit everything we'll sort of sl- sell it slowly for the week um but yeah gone within 10 minutes was just like insane and that was that was with the rentable down so people were buying that via some other method so that wasn't that was like with just from either scan or something right people were like minting yeah. directly from the contract yeah. or contract yeah so anyway you learn hey yeah what do, do we have any um alpha leaks for medikey 5 i'm not even medikey 5 isn't even in the roadmap uh, at the moment it's just like we have so much to, to deliver on with mm-hmm. medikey 4 we want to make sure that 
our indicator, I know it's it's a bit shallow, but it is the price. The price is an indicator of the health of the project. If it's not increasing, then we're doing something wrong. Hmm. So we don't want to touch Medikey 5 or even talk about it or think about it until there's like healthy price action across everywhere. People are loving the products we're putting out there. There's a connection between the audience that we have with the Medikeys and only then will we think about it. Like Medikey 4 made sense because Medikey 3 at the time was like 1 or maybe 1.5 ETH. Um, and it did make sense to scale the audience. Now we have a great audience. It's like, all right, well, what does this audience want? Um, you know, what, so that's why I'm going to get my Twitch, my YouTube streams going on again. I'm going to make this core starter-based thing, have way more brand activations, do a lot more on the marketing side, and then reassess where what a Medikey 5 would look like. But yeah, I, I like the the thought of adding a whole new Medikey edition is exciting. It's just, uh, yeah, a bit far away. Fair, fair. Do you want to go into uh, Ganymede a little bit more and let yeah, let sure. us know kind of what to expect? Is for is Ganymede named after the Greek god or the moon of Saturn, or is the moon you know of Saturn what? or Jupiter? It's one of the. It's like the biggest moon in the solar system, right? Ganymede. I don't know. New Gan- Look, I, <laughs> yeah, I, it I is. It's a, Ganymede the is is the biggest moon. I'm pretty sure the biggest moon. Yeah, someone can exactly. fact check me. Okay. It's also go. a Greek god who was. Who was uh, something to do with Zeus, like Zeus's lover? Or something. Wow, look something. at you, Michael. With your, I'm, I'm, with your I don't know. These, what is it? Mythology po- knowledge. Yeah, the Greek mythology is it's pop. Something's popping into my head, but I don't know if I'm exactly right. So yeah, it's the largest moon in the universe. Is Ganymede? Yeah. Oh, it can't be the largest moon in the universe in the solar system. What it says. Well, that's that's ridiculous. Google. We don't even know of other. We can barely see the other planets. We can't even see them. <laughs> we can just like detect them. That's crazy that they would say that. Yeah, that's, I don't know. That that's very that's Google very irresponsible of Google. <laughs> yeah. Wow, how dare Google say that? But it, but it uh, is the largest. It's it's probably the largest known moon in the universe. Probably, that could yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. not the largest moon in the universe. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. That's what Google says. Whatever Google says. <laughs> like, no, I know for a fact. Well, I not. mean, nah, I, no, nobody knows. Nobody knows. But the fact that they would say that is ridiculous. <laughs> Just disgusts you. <laughs> yeah. It's the largest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But tell us about it. Tell us about yeah. Please tell us about the. So not the, the name. Tell you a moon. bit about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll tell you about yeah. how it started, actually. Because um, okay. we were. We were um, the premise of the Medikey was to plug into all these games and apps and, and brands and stuff. And then if you, if you were to plug into games where if you own the Medikey, then you go into a game and we have our own building there and maybe you can forge some items only if you have the Medikey. You can access some buildings only if you have the Medikey, blah, blah, blah. All of that needed design work of us and our team building out what that looks like so that they could just plug it into their game. Um, so Michael and Billy and our art team, our social team, I mean, we're all nerds at the end of the day. We're all gamers. Every Almost every single person I've hired in the Medikey team are all like gaming obsessed. So they pitched to me, um, um, hey, Maddie, why don't we just build our own sort of universe, our own game, our own model of what we think this metaverse space is going to be. The plus side is that the avatars that we build, the buildings that we build, the mechanics that we build, we can just port these over to all these game partnerships that we go to. It'll be easy for us. It'll be easier for us to do these things. So I was like, yeah, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So they've been working on it for about three months, um, four months. It's looking really good. Uh, I wish I could um, show you when I can. I'll, I'm going to be I'm streaming again, so you'll be seeing it on my on my streams. But 
it's looking super, super good. Like as as fluid as, as any AAA game would. It's only going to get better. But so far, we've accepted CyberKong. We can use Clonex in there. You can use Cypher. Mm. We're working with um, BioPills as well as well to bring in their Apostles, I believe, and any other Avatar projects. So the idea is you go in there, you do Fortnite-like events. Uh, maybe you like a Fortnite-like game. Maybe there's a dungeon crawler. Maybe there's all sorts of these different game types. But you do them in whether it be single player or party mode, but you do them in the avatar of your choice. That's the end goal. Um, so, yeah, super excited to build it out. It's going to be a, a merge of like the metaverse social spaces like you see in Decentraline where you can catch up and communicate and, and do a bunch of just fun stuff hanging around. Or you can teleport out to games and get items and quests. But it's our little hub of experimentation. Um, our little way of what we can do whatever we want with MediKey owners in without any limitations of Decentraland or maybe people just couldn't load Decentraland because their browser wasn't, you know, their loading speed or their their internet wasn't good enough or mm-hmm. maybe people don't like the sandbox aesthetic. You know, we can work around that ourselves because suddenly we have full ownership of what we're building. So yeah, super excited. And the good thing is New Ganymede, whether it be New Ganymede or the Med Academy or the Metaverse events that we do, they're all the user base for that. It's beyond the Medicare user base. So anyone can come in mint a passport for free in New Ganymede and start playing. The Medicare comes into play when you want to earn rewards. Maybe if you own a key master set or a normal Medicare or anything, you get different choices of rewards that you get on completing those quests. So we're trying to find a way that everyone can participate. Um, the whole Web3 space can participate, but Medicare owners get some form of functionality that isn't too exclusive because at the end of the day, you need to be able to scale the project. Because if you make it too exclusive, it doesn't appeal to anyone unless they want to spend money, right? So it's this, mm-hmm. whether we want to keep it to this community or do we want to scale it to millions of users to the gaming world? Cool. That's awesome. That sounds really fun. And I, I love that model too of like having it be open, you know, to people for free. And then it's like, if you hold, you know, this NFT, you get like special things mm. from it, which I think is genius. And I love that. And you know, mm. a lot of people are just like having things that are special and wanting to feel a little bit special. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. it's sort of like rewarding the diehard fans that were either mm-hmm. there from the start or want to invest a bit of money and be part of it at a, a more intimate level. So it's just, it's, it's cool to experiment, but we have to keep in mind that people like free experiences. People totally. don't want to spend here and we don't want to charge people money, right? So, yeah. Cool. cool. Well, I'm looking forward to that when it comes out. Um, Michael, do you have any last minute questions for Maddie? Um. Usually the last question I ask is about, you know, favorite projects, favorite artists. He already did answer about his favorite kind of historical projects. But do you have any do you have any projects that you look at? You mentioned a couple. You mentioned uh, bio pills, BYO pills. Jennifer and I are both fans. You mentioned a few X and a clone X and a few others. Are there any projects that you really like that you think have great teams that are doing good things or even artists that you want to shout out? Is anyone you think needs some attention? I'd be interested to hear. Mm-hmm. I like watching things sort of grow organically and, and sort of proving to mm-hmm. everyone like what they what they can build. So yeah, I, I am a art collector, not as much as what I used to be before. You know, mm-hmm. was super obsessed with ferocious art. I don't know why, but I just mm-hmm. love the whole aesthetic. I love the passion behind it, like the videos that ferocious would put out there and people are meeting. It's just like, you know, everyone's happy and it's just mm-hmm. exciting, right? So I like investing in that energy, the vibe really. Uh, I think that like podcasters and and people that are running Twitter spaces and and all that sort of stuff, that's an interesting way to invest 
So I know like Pio and Nick, like they run the whole yep. um, NFT. Uh, what is it? Nifty, Nifty Alpha. Nifty, yeah, Nifty Alpha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my fund invested into them and we were like, oh, this is a pretty cool idea. I mean, yep. they're going to be um, podcasters or, or influencers or something of that, of that type. And maybe they'll be a media company, but like they're getting some pretty good traction and they released their own. They're crushing um, it, yeah. They're crushing it, right? And they released yeah. the Nifty Portal. Yeah. Um, and that NFT has become representative of their activities in the social space. Like it, it yep. grows if they do more. So it's an interesting way to invest in active that people that are content creators in the space. So I think that model is quite interesting. Um, in terms of different projects, uh, hmm, not many. I'm actually quite selective, believe it or not. I throw mm-hmm. my money around in, to experiment here and there, but when it comes to specific projects, I'm very selective. So the handful would be Clonex, um, Ferocious, um, gone complete mind blank. Treeverse is mm. a little bit interesting. I like, mm-hmm. I've been liking what I'm seeing with Loopify. Super interested in the gaming world. So um, big time studio, want to see what they've built out. Uh, I'm, I haven't, there's not much information on, on their land and stuff. I know they've sold these spaces before, but I don't exactly know how they're going to be used. So waiting to invest there, if, if any. But um, yeah, interested to see a lot of how these games will sort of roll out. Yeah, cool. Interesting. Um, now, yeah, I was going to say it's it's been a pleasure talking to you, Maddie. We've talked about having you on since the very very beginning. We've always talked about the meta key. Uh, it's been a big part of the podcast, so it's really great to have you on, man. Um, and just thanks, thanks so much. Thanks so much for coming on and being honest and giving your perspective and all that stuff is really cool. No, my pleasure. I'd probably do it again. Be happy to um awesome. just come here and talk. And we'd love to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Yeah, We'd sure. love to have you. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on uh, the show. And hopefully everybody listening enjoyed this episode. Um, and yeah, I guess that's a wrap. Thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Loose. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.